Life is often so busy, taking us here, there, seemingly everywhere. When you aren't able to make it to church, we hope you are fed and nourished by listening to the preaching of God's Word wherever you are at the moment. In the meantime, take care and God bless. Good morning and welcome back to St. Andrew here as we gather uh, together to discover again a new or really just anchor ourselves um, in who our Lord and Savior Jesus is. It's one of those come back to basics times. Uh, what are, is the foundation of who we are as faithful people? There are a lot of things uh, that define who we are, the work that we do, the family that we're a part of, where we live, what kind of car we drive even, uh, but ultimately as faithful people, as Christian people, um, you are a Christian, a child of God, and a follower of Jesus. And there are promises, um, there is grace, um, there is inspiration for you, regardless of all those other things um, that make up our identity. And so we're looking at a new theme here now today with why Jesus is the overarching theme over the next few weeks. Uh, today, of course, is because Jesus sees possibilities. You can hear and feel a lot of warmth um, and grace uh, and opportunity in that phrase, can't you? Because Jesus sees possibilities for us and for our world. Um, how good it is to have these kinds of words up on the screen and for us uh, to think about here uh, this morning. So last week when Pastor Lilly had introduced uh, the sermon series here on why Jesus, I thought I would uh, go back to what I learned a long time ago. Repetition is the heart of learning, right? So over and over again, uh, we, we learn and, and, and it takes practice and repetition uh, to do that. And so Pastor Lilly had put up on the screen the definition of, the, of an essence of something. It is the most significant element, quality, or aspect of a thing or a person. And so we're drilling down here into Jesus' life and ministry during this season, looking at Jesus' essence, um, who he is and what he means um, for us. And then Pastor Lillard also then put up this, this, uh, this uh, dialogue between who Jesus is and in a lot of ways what the world represents. Because we're Christian people, we're people who follow Jesus and are his disciples in our own way, shape, and form in our own lives. You know, we're also coexisting with a lot of realities around us as well, called into the world to coexist with those things. And so Jesus is thoughtful. The world can sometimes be selfish. Jesus is forgiving, one of the things that we believe, but the world can sometimes be vindictive. Jesus is loving, the world can be downright cruel sometimes. Jesus is kind, inconsiderate. Jesus is peaceful, blessed are those who are peaceful and peacemakers. The world can be full of hate sometimes. Jesus is hopeful and the world can be quite pessimistic out there. Wheat, weeds, wheat and weeds. Pastor Gail read for us the gospel reading from Matthew here, three wonderful little parables uh, that I think in each in their own ways uh, helps us see how Jesus sees possibilities. 
The first one is that wheat and the weeds passage, um, that the owner of the field sows these good seeds of wheat into the field and trusts that they are going to grow. We were down moving Alex out of his college uh, house here this past week as he gets going into the next stages of his life after graduation, and we drove through all the southern Minnesota farm fields, and we could see how there has been the planting of, so, of good seeds in the soil um, to grow. And then Jesus then, who knows agricultural images from 2,000 years ago, talks about the evil one who sows evil weeds right onto the same soil at the same time, simultaneously, coexisting, growing up together, and says in a rather wise way uh, that the weeds will grow amongst the wheat. You don't want to threaten the wheat by pulling up and plucking the weeds because it'll unroot everything. Let it be, I will be the final judge of things when the harvest time comes. But there are the wheat and there are the weeds. There is Jesus and there is the world. And then two small then parables, small in their, in their topic, but small in length as well. The parable of the mustard seed, the little seed that grows into the place where birds can make their homes, and the yeast, the tiny little yeast that can leaven um, a whole batch of bread. That is the kingdom of heaven. That is the essence of Jesus, to trust and believe in these things. But we also might want to ask ourselves, before we dive into my three keys that I have here this morning, we might ask that question, where do all these weeds come from? Have you had that happen in your own gardens? I know what happens in my garden. I'll, I'll take my eye off the ball for just a few days, and then I'll look down into the flower bed in the front or in the back, and I'll say, where have all these weeds come from? And then we go through the weeding process and get it going, and then a couple weeks later, I'm doing the same thing. Now, this is a gardening concept, but it's also a deeper, wider concept for us, too, um, as we view our world, the images in our world, uh, the conflict and the realities um, that these weeds do come out, and we have to live in coexistence um, with them. So how can I live as a faithful person within a mixture of wheat and weeds um, in our world? And what difference does the kingdom of heaven make for me? Uh, and for the world. So I do have, as I said, I have three points. And the first one here not only involves the parable that we are hearing about today with the wheat and the weeds, uh, but this overall graceful, uh, uh, generous God in which we believe that God keeps sowing. God simply keeps on sowing. One of the things that Michelle and I do, as you probably do as well, is that we take our dogs uh, for walks uh, in the neighborhood. There is a house a few doors down from ours on the right um, who had a couple living in it that have lived in it for almost 50 years. A couple of years ago, Lowell died, uh, and his wife uh, moved into, a, into a, uh, an apartment then in a, in a senior living uh, facility, and the family is finally now, this summer, getting around to putting it on the market. But this is the circumstance that we see when we walk past uh, the, uh, the, their house. 
There is the right side where they have not kept the sprinkler running these days. How many of you are watering your grass these days? We certainly are um, at our house. And of course the house on the left is continuing to run the sprinkler system and you can see the difference um, that exists there between the place where there has been water and the place where there hasn't been water. God sows good seeds and continues to sow them over and over and over for us. So it's not just about an agricultural image or a yard image um, that, we, that we relate to. But I think in some ways, someone a long time ago talked about how I have a hope bank account inside and I have a container inside of me. Um, and there are things that I see and I experience um, that, that put hope back into my bank account. And there are other things that I see and experience that take things out of that bank account. And so sometimes that bank account runs low on balance and sometimes that bank account is, is filled to the brim and overflowing. An example of that has been the last 15 months as we've been living and now finally uh, emerging uh, from a pandemic life in one way and kind of a new pandemic life now here this summer, uh, but how that took out of so many of our, so much out of our bank accounts, right? Well, one thing that's put back into my bank account has been the opportunity this year uh, to attend high school graduation parties, uh, the likes of which my son Andrew did not even have a year ago. He went without, and we all went without. But I had two yesterday, I had four last weekend, I got another one right after church, so I'm going to jump in my car after church and, and head up uh, to, to visit the Grog family and see AJ. But there is an incredible amount of enthusiasm at these graduation parties now. The, the, always what's said, there's a handshake, it seems like now, they're all outside, but there's a handshake. And then there's a word like, wow, can you believe we can actually be with each other face to face? And I feel like there's this enthusiasm now that is happening at these grad parties because we just want something to fill us up again to give us a little bit more energy, give us more life, uh, help us to enjoy the circumstances that are um, around us. So these are the kinds of things when God is sowing for us, when God sows those seeds and wants us to see goodness, God doesn't stop sowing. There's always goodness with Jesus. There's always his love and his mercy that comes um, for us. And so, we're watered. My key to is to think small, not think big, think small. Uh, the census was done in uh, 2020, um, as you know, and so I had a little fun with that here this week. Uh, so I learned that according to the new census, there are 3.1 million people living um, in the Twin Cities, and there are 5.7 million people living in Minnesota. Um, there are 331 million in the U.S., and there are 7.8 billion um, who live in the world. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about 3 million and then 5.7 and all those numbers, it can get a little bit overwhelming to me how big the world is and how broad um, and expansive the world is and all the ways in which we as faithful people live in it or not. We are clearly, in this perspective, just a number, a very small fractional number in the midst of the greater scheme of things. So I took it the other direction here to make my point that we should think small. That's the population of Eden Prairie. 
64179. There are approximately 30 homes in your track with about 150 people. That's a little smaller, approximately. I don't know where you live, but approximately that. There's 20 people in your office. There are 15 people who live on your floor, maybe. There's 14 players on your soccer team or on your baseball team. There are two to five people in your family. And there's one of you. If we take it all down to the, the smallness of increments, we have the yeast and we have the mustard seed. The two other parables here. And Jesus just starts with something small. Just you. Just you. In your family. The people you relate to on your floor, on your team, at your office in your neighborhood, and in the city where you live. I like how Jesus reminds me, Peter, don't get too caught up in all the big and broad things. Just focus in on the things that are just right around you. Be good, be faithful, be kind, be generous. Jesus, start small with us. So I appreciate those words. And finally, uh, key number three, how do I know that Jesus uh, sees possibilities? How do I know uh, that these images mean something for me? Point three, home, dove, and azhar. I was thinking this week about how the mustard seed starts off as a small little seed, and then as Jesus tells a parable, it spins up, it grows up, and becomes this place where birds are able to lay, uh, to build their nests and make their homes in it. Something so small becomes so great as the kingdom um, of heaven. It made me think about that great story from Genesis chapter 8 of Noah, um, who's floating around with his family and those animals two by two um, in the ark. We remember uh, the generals um, of the story of Noah and the ark. In Genesis chapter 8, Noah sends out the raven, and the raven goes to and fro over the water at the beginning of chapter 8. But then Noah takes out the dove, brings out the dove, and, and sets the dove free so that the dove might go and explore and see if any of the ground underneath the boat has, has been revealed. Now the dove is not a water bird. The dove can't sit down in the water and float. The dove just flies, flies and searches. And the dove searched and searched and then finally then, there's a great passage in Genesis 8 when the dove returns and Noah goes out and Noah reaches up and literally takes the bird and brings the bird back into the ark and waits seven days. And then seven days later, Noah then releases the bird again, and the bird then goes out and flies uh, and brings back that olive branch, right? Just an olive branch. And then Noah says, brings him in, puts him back in the ark, and waits seven more days. 
And then the great three-peat of the story, Noah sends out the dove one more time, and as we know that story, the dove this time doesn't return. The dove has found a tree in which to be at home. Possibilities are there. A place to be, a place to live, a place to grow. The dove. It's kind of hard sometimes, in other words, to live amongst the wheat and the weeds, but eventually the tree is there to reside in. Which reminded me of an old friend of mine named Azhar. She was one of our refugees in Cairo. Uh, she and her husband uh, are Iraqi, and they had made their way uh, from Iraq to Egypt um, as political refugees uh, from that country that was torn up by the Civil War um, in, the, in the 2000s. We know the story. Now, Azhar's husband was an engineer. Uh, he worked with one of the Western oil companies. Um, and so um, at that particular time during the Civil War, um, he was seen as a collaborator uh, by the Civil War, by the different factions fighting, and so he and Azhar made their way uh, from one home to a homeless state, left everything behind. They were a middle-class, upper-middle-class family in Iraq, but they had to flee with almost no possessions. When Azhar left, though, um, Iraq, she had enough sense, though, to collect uh, uh, items from her home. Pictures, a couple of books, some simple displays that she uh, had in Iraq. And it was fascinating when we would go over to her house for Iraqi feasts out in the city called 6th of October City, um, out on the western suburbs um, of Cairo. She would show us this wall in her house, this wall of her things that she brought with her and her husband um, from Iraq. She told me, she said, Pastor Peter, this is exactly the way this looked in my home in Iraq. I had a wall just like this. Pictures of our family uh, with our Quran and our, 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 our language uh, uh, scripts. We had um, these items here. It's exactly like this, like I had in Iraq, and I recreated it here um, in this apartment here in 6th of October City um, in Cairo. And so if I'm looking 360 and all the things that I've experienced in my life, when I come into my home, I can look at this wall and I can come back and be claimed again of my being at home so many years ago in my actual house I'm in Iraq. That's where I find my home. How do we live amongst the wheat and the weeds? How do we survive? We have stories like a dove who make their way into a tree, but we also have real stories of people who see and experience and relive their hope over and over again. So with Jesus, he always sees possibilities for us and for our world. As I said, God keeps sowing. Think small. Don't get too overwhelmed by all the complexities of life and the circumstances that truly are in a lot of ways out of our control, but we can in small ways make a difference. In home, 
is a place that Jesus creates for us of grace and peace um, and love. Thanks be to God. Amen. We hope you found this week's message helpful as you think about how you will live out your faith each day. If you would like to support the ministries at St. Andrew Lutheran Church, you can do so by having your credit card information available and then texting a gift to 952-260-9007. 